the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 451 for Monday, Memorial Day, here in the U.S., May 27th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found. We do our level best to answer your questions, share your tips, share some of ours, share cool stuff found with you, talk about topics that interest us and you. And together, the goal is for all of us, myself and Mr. John F. Braun included, to learn something new about the Apple, Mac and other technology stuff and life in general. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fearful, Connecticut, John F. Braun. How you doing, John? Good. Perfect day. Perfect, perfect day. So uh, for those outside the U.S., yes, Memorial Day, this is the day when, um, well, there's uh, people get the day off, three-day weekend, uh, parades, cookouts, uh, but probably most important to honor those who uh, served in the military and, well, I think that's really it. Yeah. Served in the military and uh, are no longer with us. That's right. Uh, yeah. Not that that's funny. No, I'm sorry. No. But uh yeah, that's uh, that's what we do here. So uh, so try to keep in uh, put it in context. Uh, I guess is what I'd like to do. There you go. And I will uh, I will say to anyone out there that uh, has or does serve, thank you for your service. And with that, our service today, John, is to uh, is to do our our level best to make this show the very best. And, uh, you know, I love it when, when I love it when a plan comes together. That's not really what I meant to say, John, but uh, yeah, every now and then, um, I love it when a topic comes together. I'd had this idea kind of brewing to talk about what online services we use and why, uh, you know, and how we we've integrated these into our lives. And lo and behold, as questions started coming in, there were several that, that sort of questions and tips that sort of fit into this. So we're going to, we're going to answer one question first, and, and then we're going to kind of let that lead us into this discussion of what services John and I use and, and why, and, and, and by what services we put a little bit of restriction on it though. Uh, of course we'll wind up sort of flowing uh, wherever we go, but, uh, but basically keeping online backups and social networks out of it uh, because we've talked about those a lot. And, and so these are other services that, that we use sort of for our own productivity, if you will, uh, on an active basis, online backups, I see is sort of a passive thing. They are necessary, but, uh, and, and social networks, you know, um, Twitter and Facebook and Google plus and all that good stuff. But anyway, let's, uh, Let's go to Mark's question here and see where this gets us. Mark writes, he says, I generally use a mid 2010 MacBook Pro running Mountain Lion. I recently inherited a 2011 iMac from my office for home use. I'd like to use the iMac at my desk and the MacBook around the house and other places, but I want both computers to have all of my stuff. Same OS, same settings, same app, same documents, etc. Is there a way I can sync both computers? There are several ways listed online, but I'm struck by the fact that they are not well known. This always makes me suspicious. There's an interesting way to do it from the command line, but I wonder if you guys know of a clean way to do this operation without having to make one of the machines a server. Okay, so you you it's a great question, uh, and it's uh, 
it's one of those things that I, I see as sort of the Holy grail, one of the Holy grails of computing life. Uh, it used to be for me for years, there was no good way to do this. And so my solution was to only use a laptop. And I think you were in that boat ish for a while. And that way, when you traveled, right, John, you know, you same computer at your desk at home that you had on the road. Um, and typically what I do is I, I would typically, um, do a clone of the drive because I, I, I run, I've been running for years pretty much with two machines. So, uh, okay. what I'll consider my podcast machine here, which is the mini and then the MacBook pro, which, uh, you know, I bring when I'm out and about, but I have some data that's exclusively on this. So a lot of times what I do is do a clone of the, uh, podcast, uh, whatever you want to call this machine and bring that along with me just in case. There was I needed before yep. the advent of uh, uh, the popularity and proliferation of cloud services. Right. Uh, back to you. Yeah, no. And that, but that's it is, you know, one day and it wasn't that long ago. One day I kind of realized, you know what? I don't need to just live with one computer anymore because I've got my data kind of everywhere, you know, and there's really, for me, there's really only two things that needed to happen to get me there. Uh, one of those was using IMAP for my email. Uh, and this started because I wanted to have my email on my smartphone first, my trio. And, and of course now an iPhone and we'll see what happens in the future. Right. But, but that was the reason I had kind of jumped through the hoops to set that up years and years ago. But it also means I can sync my email on my Macs and I have everything everywhere. So great check. Um, and then the, uh, the second thing is, Using a cloud service, I'll, I'll say, to sync my, an always synced cloud service to sync my documents. Now, originally I used Dropbox, then SugarSync, and uh, now I use CloudStation. That's the one built into the Synology NAS units. Um, and the reason I use CloudStation is I like the concept of a personal cloud where all my data is stored here and not also on somebody's server. And I don't know how they're managing it, you know, like Dropbox or whatever. Uh, not that those services are bad. I just had the ability to do this, you know, but starting about a year and a half ago when I got in, started using Synology. So that's what I did. If I hadn't been using Synology, I almost certainly would be using the transporter to do the same thing because that's what it's built to do. Um, but it's nice to have sort of unlimited storage or, you know, less limited storage for uh, for your cloud stuff. So so that was that was the thing. And and really with those two, that's all it takes for me to or all it took for me to to be able to move on from just having one computer that I that I needed to carry around everywhere. And of course at my desk I would have my MacBook Pro hooked up to a monitor or two and all that. But it's not the fastest thing and nor would it ever be. So um so that's it. Now you Mark asked about doing um you know syncing everything the settings, the apps, the OS in addition to documents and email and all that, I, there is nothing that does that flawlessly right now. And honestly, as someone that's been, you know, that, that started where you are and wanted this Holy grail, I'm not convinced you need that. I don't think the, I don't think I, it's not, it's not as necessary as you might believe. Yes. There are times when I realize, Oh, I've got, you know, the wrong version or I don't have, uh, you know, this clipboard, uh, you know, clipboard uh, history app on this Mac. And that drives me crazy, but it it's a one-time thing. And then I install it and then it's good to go. Software is pretty good at keeping itself up to date. So I always kind of have the latest versions everywhere and, uh, and trying to sync your applications folder and all that. 
it just sounds like a bad idea. Uh, it sounds, but not a bad idea. It sounds like it's rife with opportunity for error. And uh, so that's why I've chosen not to do that. You well, probably could. Go ahead, John. Well, uh, I would say it, the Mac app store is an attempt to do this. If you that's a good point, choose to do so, because I got to say, as, as some of you know, I recently had an occasion where my MacBook Pro got totally screwed up and I basically uh, could not get it into a state, uh, even trying to repair things. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start from scratch. That makes sense. And, yeah. And the app store, I got to say, in this sense, is a great thing to have because it is not an active syncing of your apps, but all the apps that you've purchased. Now, the only bad news is that not all apps are available that you may get either free or paid are available in the app store for uh, mostly. I think sandboxing is, is the reason is some apps go beyond uh, the conditions that Apple sets on things in the app store. But right. uh, but I found uh, for for the apps that I have purchased, I mean, hey, you go to the app store, sign in with your ID and uh, basically install and download. And, and and you're at a pretty much at a, at a state that you'd like to be. So, again, it, 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 not everybody does it. I wish they could. So just to throw that in the, my hat in the ring there as far as uh, app syncing. But I think that's probably the most difficult thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just scares me to do that. So. So anyway, but but I, I you can get there that I, I don't think you need to worry as much about your apps and your settings as as uh, as you might think. So uh, so, you know, with with so. Th so there you go. That that's the answer to that question. Now, with that, let's move on to this to this other uh, kind of to this broader topic, John. Uh, you know, I mentioned kind of the two services that I use, uh, the two types of services that I use. Uh, we, we might get a little more specific on those as we go into this, but that's what I use to keep my, the, my baseline of syncing. But there's a lot of stuff available out there in the cloud that can really make your life better uh, or at least makes our lives better. And so we're going to share a couple of these, John, I'll, I'll start, but let's kind of pass it back and forth. In fact, I'll, I'll start with mm -hmm. one that I use all the time, which, which seems very, very redundant, uh, with everything else that I have, but uh, but I wind up using it probably more than anything else. And it's a service called Simple Note. There's an app available in the App Store. You can visit it on the web and use it totally usable in your browser on your Mac. And the concept is it stores notes uh, and syncs them among all your devices. And uh, you just log in and it's right there. Very, very, as the name implies, very simple, very straightforward. doesn't get all crazy. You can search it um, and it's just text, but it's really handy. And, it, you know, Apple's apps do this, too. But I, for whatever reason, I, I never got into Apple's apps to do it. I started using Simple Note a long time ago and it it just works. It has never failed me. And uh, and I use it all the time to jot down quick little notes about anything. And then I have it everywhere. And it's persistent and I can use um, there's an app that I use called I think it's notational velocity on my Mac to download. Uh, you can edit from there, but it's something that I can use on my Mac to download copies of these notes just in case the service ever goes away, which is an important thing to bear in mind when using cloud services, especially one like this, where pretty much your data is only stored in the cloud, not on your computers. But uh, but that's simple note. So that's what I use for those little notes that I need to jot down on my iPhone and then refer to them on my Mac or vice versa. So that's simple note. John. Yes. Now you may ask yourself, what is, what do I use for simple notes? And you know, for, for simple note taking, Dave, I'm quite satisfied with the latest invocation of notes. I, 
and iCloud built into your Mac and iOS. Correct. Yep. With iCloud. So that's what I do. So, uh, and among my different machines here, if you want to consider the iPhone a machine, but on all of the machines that I have, so all the machines or devices that I use are tied into my iCloud account. Now, of course, on the iPhone, there is a notes application, uh, as well as on my MacBook Pro, which is uh, running 10.8. Whatever we got here, 10.8.3. That has a notes application. And then I'm running a machine here that I recently upgraded to Lion Server, but it's a Lion machine. The only bad news is that there's not a notes application on Lion, but that's when you use the iCloud web interface. So I have access from all three machines to notes. And for tiny little things, whether it be a shopping list or just something like, you know, I'm out somewhere, especially if I had the iPhone with me and somebody mentioned something like, oh, you got to check these guys out, you know, wh- whatever product or service. I'm like, oh, go right to notes, put it in there. And I know it's going to be available on all the other machines. So for my needs, I mean, it's, it, it, it's not it's probably not as rich as some of the things that you use, Dave, for note taking and, uh, and synchronizing. Si- simple notes, pretty, pretty darn sparse in oh, terms okay. of features. But but I think I started using it before iCloud's notes really got robust enough or cross platform enough to use. You know, I, I, it wasn't available on the Mac easily. You kind of had to use mail and it was this clunky thing. So that's why I just like, no, I want it separate. So, um, right. And, and then I'll kind of hand it over to you, I think. But so, so I want to stay on the iCloud thread here, but the other iCloud, uh, major iCloud services that, um, well, let's let's stick with, let's stick with functionality Mm -hmm. for the moment, because, because there are more in this realm that I just want to touch on. Oh, right. Note taking. Okay. Well then I'll hand it back to you. Yeah. There's, there's Evernote, uh, which is probably the most popular of the, the note syncing apps that are out there. I, uh, I, so I had started with Yojimbo, which used to sync with MobileMe, and then MobileMe went away, and there's been this whole issue with syncing core data with iCloud, with third-party apps that hasn't really worked the way everybody thought it would. And uh, so currently, Yojimbo doesn't sync online. Uh, but I, I'd started with Yojimbo, so that's kind of why I never moved to Evernote. There's some things Evernote doesn't do. Um, but Evernote did buy a company that I use all the time, and it's called Skitch. Uh, really what sketches is for photos. It's a really easy way to mark up photos and it now stores them online in Evernote uh, and you can get a free Evernote account and you store them there and then you can share the photos around. But it's a really great way. If you need to draw like circles and arrows on your on a screenshot or something, sketch is the way to go. And it links with Evernote, which is kind of why I wanted to draw it in here. And uh, and then we have uh, we have. Uh, Eileen in the chat room. We'll say hi to everybody in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. And Eileen says that iData is a currently updated version of Cassidy and Green's Quick Decks. So, uh, so that's yet another one that I'd never heard of before, but that's, now, that's the beauty of the chat room. Now, Skitch is purely graphics, right? Or drawing? I, Correct. I yeah, graphics. Okay. Yeah, pictures or drawings. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really handy to mark things up. You know, if I need to like send a screenshot to somebody and draw their attention to, you know, a specific spot by by drawing an arrow, 100% of the time I go to Skitch. And the beauty is not only does it work on my Mac, I can do it and draw the arrow successfully in the boxes and all that on iOS. So uh, and it has another cool feature that lets you blur out a section. So if I have like a password or a credit card number or something, oh, it's super easy to do. I mean, it's like seconds to blur this stuff out. You don't have to launch some crazy photo editor. And, you know, I mean, there's time and place for that, but not. But that's not this. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. 
So I like it. And Skitch is free. As is Simple Note. Uh, except the iOS app might have to pay for it. I forget. Sorry. So there. That's what I got, John. Now we can move on to whatever, uh, whatever you want to go with. Well, a little tangent here, but... Uh, well, go. Oh, we like tangents. So I, I would say I also use a lot of the other iCloud uh, services as well. So contacts... Um, I sync to iCloud and of course I can access on the various devices, whether it be through a web, web interface or a native application. Yep. And to me, that's pretty important because, you know, I store, you know, email addresses, Twitter addresses, pretty much everything about somebody is in my, uh, address book are now called contacts. Um, I also do, uh, formerly known as iCal calendar. Uh, and I use that for both personal and as well, uh, Dave and I use it to schedule the show. So that's a, a Google calendar, I believe. Um, that we did use, a. No, I, we're, uh, I think or, we're on iCloud at the moment for our uh, for our show okay. calendar. I know we go back and forth, but uh, yeah, yeah, we but, have. Yeah, but I like that as well because uh, the the different devices can sync to different calendars, whether they be from Apple or someone else, and you know show up in different colors and all that. Give me reminders. Um, and speaking of reminders, I do not use reminders that we have touched upon it to solve yep. some listeners' uh, issues here. And then for bookmarks. Uh, I enable the Safari syncing and that syncs my bookmarks from my various devices as well. So iCloud serves a lot of my needs and I think it's a, uh, I don't know if I really use mobile me that much, but once the, the iCloud came along and the promise of it being done properly. And for the most part, I would agree though, I'm probably get to a story about a disaster that I fixed. Uh, I, I'd say I'm fairly happy with uh, what iCloud does. Yeah. 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 No, I, for what, for the things you mentioned, Safari bookmarks, contacts and calendar iCloud, especially if you're a Mac user uh, and don't need to use windows machines, although it, it it's passably usable on windows well, machines. Well, yeah. I have a control panel and they, they try to integrate as best they can with the environment. So like, you know, with pictures and stuff, they'll put it in a certain folder. Yep. Um, I think they, they've done the best they could from what I, I, I've, I've dabbled with it on windows machines and I think it does the best they could within the uh, constraints of it not being a Mac. Uh, and that they'll try to integrate what they can into the Windows environment. Or again, a lot of the features you you just have to access through a browser. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and and that kind of brings us to the the flip side of this, which is, you know, Google's calendar contacts. Uh they don't do bookmarks in that way, but but you know, the whole Google syncing engine that's out there. And and I use iCloud like you do, John, uh, for contacts and calendar, but I also use Google. Uh, for contacts and calendar and uh, and and I'm not honestly not sure which one I like better. I rarely use either of them on the web, probably because I use both and the web doesn't combine them. Uh, so I have to use apps to to manage that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I iCloud is is I've had more reliability actually with iCloud's calendar syncing than I have with, with Google's, but I haven't really had that much trouble with Google's where I really use Google's syncing. It was, is with Google docs. And uh, I know you and I use it, John, to manage the uh, show notes and the agenda, the agenda and the show notes. We edit the show notes with uh, some members of our chat room too, kind of on the fly. And that works really well. It's very cool to be able to edit right inside a browser window and have someone else see those edits or vice versa. We use it a lot at TMO for managing, um, you know, spreadsheets and content. We use it at Backbeat for, for the same thing. 
it's extremely valuable. And yes, I hate the idea that I'm storing all this stuff with Google, but it is so darn useful that I just can't bring myself to stop. Uh, it, there, there's so much productivity and functionality that we get out of it that, and it's so flawlessly usable. I mean, there's so, so few times that we've had trouble with it, that it's, it's just totally worth it. So, so we use Google docs. It's awesome. I, w- I wish I, I wish I could say it wasn't, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but it's great. So and I'm trying to think, I think, uh, let's see. Well, we go, you know, I, while I had my I kind of fish it, well, it was a tale of woe and a tale of, of well, let's get through the woe. services and then we'll come back to your, your technical tale of woe. Cause I do want to go through it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the next thing, Dave, and I guess, uh, well, I'm going to move to maybe something that you touched on before, but graphical. Yeah. So I think this 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 kind of gets into this uh, theme here. Um, so photos. So uh, uh, quite a few of uh, people I know who are not only Mac people are also uh, uh, pretty good photographers, and so uh, and like to share photos via whatever service or or to archive them, or just to you know make them available to people, have them comment on it, or or save them. So in the photo realm, Dave, um, and this kind of touches on iCloud, uh, one of the things that I like to use, so, so there's, uh, I would say, personal and then uh, personal use and then sharing. So at least personally, um, I like PhotoStream. PhotoStream works great. It integrates with the uh, iPhone. Uh, and also uh, I use Aperture. And of course, you can also use iPhoto uh, to access PhotoStream to either pull or push, or I guess both, depending on, on the program or the device that you're using. And I find that pretty neat. But for sharing, for the most part, photos that I take, uh, and, you know, I've really gotten away from using my uh, Lumix camera. I've really tried to make an effort, or, or just because it's always with me, the iPhone. Yep. Uh, and I'm pretty happy with the results. There, there You know, there's some, definitely some limitations of the iPhone camera. I mean, it's you know, a tiny little thing. Sure. Um, but I try to make the best of it. But uh, the thing that I like to use, Dave, is, uh, is uh, Instagram. Because Instagram, uh, so one, uh, I use Instagram in the mode of taking a picture on the iPhone in the camera roll and then using Instagram uh, to push that out. And typically I'll push it out to Twitter and Flickr. And uh, for those that don't know, I I would assume everybody knows, but if you don't, so Flickr just had a big deal. They now offer you, (laughs) Dr. Evil pinky gesture, one trillion bytes of storage. Which is actually a really smart PR move, I'll say, because they could have just come out and said, we'll give you unlimited storage, but everybody offers unlimited. So for them to actually come out and say, we'll give you one terabyte, I think in people's minds, that sounds better than unlimited. I, that's my feeling. I think it was brilliant marketing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I guess they, they recently got picked up by, uh, by Yahoo. Is that correct? Uh, not recently. That, several years ago, I think. Or they just decided, or I guess they just decided to do a, a PR move. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, they PR also move. revamped. I think they, they also revamped the, the web page. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, a lot of people are doing this with storage for your pictures uh, from iOS. Now Flickr obviously will do it. Um, uh, Dropbox started a couple of years ago allowing you to automatically upload your pictures from your mobile device. Now with iOS, you have to launch the app because it can only run for 10 minutes in the background on Android. You can let it just upload 
and in the background and it just works all the time. So as soon as you take a picture, it's uploaded to Dropbox. And I think Dropbox still runs the special that if you're uploading pictures, they will give you up to three gigs of yes. extra space at for for all the pictures. So if you upload 500 megs of pictures, you get 500 megs of extra space and they'll do that up to three gigs. You could then go and delete your pictures and still retain that extra space that they gave you. Their presumption is you won't. You want to keep storing things. Um, so that's one. And then number two is uh, Google Plus also allows you to upload your pictures to their service in a private folder. You can then choose to share them or not. But by default, they are not shared. They are just uploaded and stored and you can store them in full quality. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, folks, but I, I think that's unlimited storage, but it might not be. There might be some limitations there. In fact, uh, in fact, now that I'm saying that, maybe I am confusing the Flickr and Google Plus thing, but, but you can do it there at, uh, at Google Plus. So it's good. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that ties into something I recently did, Dave. So, you know, I was looking at the iPhone and, uh, you know, I have the 16 gig. Uh, not that I'm, well, I have a few gigs left, but I, I was looking at the phone at one point and I'm like, you know what? Why do I have all these pictures stored on here? My camera roll had like 700 pictures in it. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just pull this off of the phone? Uh, right. And basically I pulled it off the phone and put it into Aperture and erased the pictures from uh, from the device. Because the other thing I did, Dave, is as, as, as you pointed out here, is uh, so now every time I plug in my iPhone, Dropbox comes up with the dialogue and I never dismiss it saying, hey, you want to upload your photos to Dropbox? And at this point, I'm like, well, you know what? It probably makes sense for me, in addition to pulling them into Aperture and erasing them from the phone, to put them in Dropbox so I can access them if I want to. And I got the uh, advertised, I think, three gigs. And it's kind of a neat feature. So now every time I plug it in, it says, hey, any new photos? Nope. But uh, but if anything, yeah, I mean, you know, 700 photos on the iPhone, uh, you know, it did free up a, a few gigs there. So I did recently go through that. So that's uh, that's another nice feature of uh, Dropbox. It is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So um, let's see. You know, uh, there's a couple of I mean, we've talked about Gmail. That's what I use for my IMAP email. Uh, again, I wish there was something better out there, but uh, but I haven't found it yet. Um, it, they've got a great web interface. They've got great service. They manage it after having managed our own mail server since what, 1998. I was very happy. What, four years ago or something to not manage our mail server. And I will never uh, manage our own mail server again because I prefer to sleep at night. Um, so we moved to Google. We may move to something else eventually, but we haven't found that yet. So, uh, so that's Gmail for music. Uh, I do use iTunes match and I've had really good luck with it. Um, for, certainly for the last year, it was a little clunky at the start, but it was a beta program. So, you know, you got to sort of buy that going in, but, um, but iTunes match works very, very well for me. And it's nice to have my music library downloadable from anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see where that whole, that whole landscape is. So um, it's, it's rapidly changing is probably the best way to, to say it. So I'm curious to see where that goes. And, uh, and, and then one other thing that we started using at TMO recently, and I use it a little bit for my personal stuff is a service called deliver it DLVR.it. We use it very sparingly. Um, the idea is you can queue up all kinds of rules and it says, okay, when something happens here, uh, post that content to all of these other services, Twitter, Facebook, Google plus, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we do use it at TMO to, to auto post our articles as soon as they go live to a couple of those services. 
obviously it's the kind of thing that if you abuse it, uh, if you post too much stuff or you, you know, you start getting crazy or cross posting, uh, people will stop following you. But, um, but you know, basically just posting our articles out, it seems to work really, really well. And it's really reliable. It's not free. Uh, at least the one we use isn't free. You might be able to get some of it for free, but, uh, but it's great. So, uh, so let's get another cloud service kind of like IFTTT. Do you use that, John? I've seen it. It, it seems to be an engine where you can build rules that allow different services to talk to one another or that that's kind of what I got from it when I initially looked at it or per, it, it, it provides you, you can make like custom notifications that maybe other services don't provide. I don't yeah, know. Well, Tell it, me. Yeah. It stands, that's kind of what I got from it. It stands for if this, then that. So you build rules uh, there okay. and, and we were using it for a while before deliver it sort of lets it all lets that kind of thing happen all in one. But we were using IFTTT in combination with a service called buffer buffer did the actual posting IFTTT would uh, monitor the RSS feeds and then based on criteria ship that stuff off to buffer for the posting deliver it sort of does it all internally, but you can do all kinds of things. You can say when a, a photo is posted to Instagram, uh, download it and save it to my Dropbox. You know, that that kind of thing. It truly is an if this, then that. And you just sort of build these things totally graphically. There's no programming involved or anything. They've sort of done all the programming right. and built all these hooks. It's really a cool service. And again, it lives in the cloud and runs in the cloud. So you don't need your Mac running to do this. You know, your pictures could go to your okay. Dropbox automatically. So, yeah, it's cool. So it's rules, kind yep. of like maybe mail app rules and actions. Bingo. So if, if, if you see this happen and that happen, then make this happen. You got it. Very cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. You should play with it. But you, it, you of all people would probably love it. Actually, But it talks to a lot of different services, right? I Bingo. think that's the, the power of it. That's the so power like, Could you it. say if, if you see a new picture in Flickr, send me an email or something? Yes. I don't know. If you, yes. Oh, you could do that. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the kind of thing you do with it. Yep. Very yeah, nice. it's very, it is, it's cool. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I like the name, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anything well, I got else? One final area. To, yeah, go. Well, I got one final area and then I want to go down my tech path here because Dave, th this took me a while to figure out and I, I really want to share it. Well, with you do your final I, thing. Then I got one thing I got to do and then, and then you do, and then we'll head down your tech path. So okay. You, you so the your, final thing, yep. so, so you're talking about internet services, Dave, and I yes. certainly consider this one and I use it anytime I take a, a drive that's anywhere beyond a local drive, though sometimes even a local drive, but Waze, these guys are awesome. So this is a app that runs on both uh, iOS and I, I believe also Android and maybe other platforms. It is a crowdsourced traffic uh, event system, I would say, and GPS. So you want to go from here to there? Great. But it also allows people to tell the system interesting things that are happening along the way, whether it be a broken down vehicle or the police or roadkill or whatever. Um, and the other thing is, uh, so you can either uh, create an event and, you know, be careful, you know, pay attention while you're driving. They have a touch interface. I haven't had much success with it, but entering it even via the touchpad uh, is, is pretty quick. And uh, it's just cool. And then also, if you go by an event, so it'll be like, oh, you know, somebody said there's a cop here. Um, do you see them or no? So, so it also helps clear off stale events oh. or a broken down vehicle. And it also detects the speed that people are going or not going. 
So, and, and suggest ways to get around it. So that's the other cool part. So I guess, yes, it's kind of big brother and that it's watching you. And it's like, sometimes it'll say, Hey, you seem to be moving slow. Is there a traffic jam? And you're like, yep. Uh, and then it'll show that to other people. So uh, very good, especially for long trips. And uh, I believe I've seen at least uh, Kenny. You can also, uh, it has a social aspect to it. So you could even tweet, yes, you know, I reported, you know, some terrible thing happening and it'll actually feed it into Twitter and probably other streams. So uh, very nice. And I, uh, rumor has it that uh, uh, a big uh, fruit company may uh, consider purchasing them just because they're so cool. And I've I, met with them in the past and they're really a, a great bunch and, and it's a really awesome app. Cool. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm getting a weird echo here today, but I think it's just me talking loudly in my in my studio. Oh, you know what it is? I set my drums up differently. I bet I'm getting the reflection off of them. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Well, it, it's here, isn't it? It's not there. I'll try and keep it from going there. But I do want to talk about our first sponsor for today, and that is Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace. Uh, you visit them at squarespace.com slash MGG uh, because that lets them know that we told you about them and they appreciate it and we appreciate it. And they're really good folks there. I've had the opportunity to get to know quite a few of them uh, over the last six months or so. And, uh, and they know what they're doing, but they are a cloud service too, in a way they are at the very core cloud hosting uh, for your website, but there's so much more than that. It, you know, if, if we stopped right there, uh, I would be doing everybody a disservice. Um, they are also a place in the cloud where you can build websites too. Uh, it's very, it's actually very, very cool. You just go, go to their website, you click get started. Uh, you don't even have to log in first and immediately you're looking at templates. And I love it because, uh, I, because we do these ads every month, I'm constantly brought back there to find different templates um, as I'm sort of digging through and preparing for the show. And uh, and this month I found one called Aviator. I mean, there's there's just so many, but uh, but you can scroll through and check out these different templates and and uh, not they're all beautiful, but not every one of them, of course, serves every need. And that's the point is you sort of find the one that fits your needs, both functionally and aesthetically, and then you can start modifying it. And if you want to bring in a picture from your computer, you just literally drag it from your desktop into the page and magically it works. It's just like you would think it just replaces the picture or adds the picture. And, uh, and then you just sort of move on and, and you can create different pages. You can set up uh, a shopping cart. They've got their own, they've got a whole thing where they can process your payments. If there's something you want to sell, uh, they've got a whole like calendaring thing. If you want to do that, it's uh, it, it's just so easy to create a web page. You know, we've been building web pages here at, at with TMO and even prior to that since the late 90s. And uh, and if something like this existed back then, we probably uh, I mean, we would have had to go no further, you know, because you can you can even bring in not that blog engines existed back in 98 either. But uh, but if you run a WordPress blog on your own somewhere else, but you want to use Squarespace because a they're they've got these great templates and b it's a great place to host, you can import the settings and the content from your blog, uh, so you don't have to build your data, you don't have to do it. You just plug in the information, how to log into your blog, and it goes and slurps it all in, and uh, and then you've got it there, and you can manage it, and and you're good to go. Uh, you get a 14 day free trial because that's just how it works. And, uh, and then when you're ready to buy, 
Use the coupon code MGG5 because this is the fifth month of the year. MGG5 gives you 10% off of whatever you purchase. So uh, so definitely check that out. You can do you can uh, register your own domain through there or you can serve it at their domain. You could get like, you know, I could get like, I don't know, Dave the nerd and or I could move my Dave the nerd blog over there and just have it at Dave the or whatever I want to, you know, whatever you want to do. They're totally flexible and their customer service uh, is fantastic. I always try to kind of shop that uh, without them knowing who I am. And, and they, you know, they, they, they talk to you. It's great. So check it out. Squarespace.com slash M G G. And, uh, and that'll, that's your way of letting them know that, uh, that we sent you. And then M G G five is your way of getting 10% off whatever you decide to buy there. So check it out. But John, I think, it's time you had an issue with, uh, well, with, with iCloud that you finally solved. And it's very interesting how this solution came about because it's reminiscent of some other issues that we've had with iCloud. So go. So if some of you recall, the issue I was having was in running mail app on my, uh, MacBook pro, uh, once I rebuilt the machine and, you know, hooked it up with uh, all my services, including iCloud. Here's the bad news is that I would add mail. Uh, weird things would happen. So I would add mail rules. I would quit mail and then I would start mail and the rules would be gone. And that's infuriating, especially since I took the time to define the rule and it kind of forgot about it. And I'm like, what's going on here? Well, uh, at least under 10.8.3, um, apparently if you have iCloud, uh, so if you go to the iCloud uh, um, system preference, if you have documents and data enabled, uh, one thing it will do is sync your mail rules with iCloud. Here's the bad news. It wasn't working. And why wasn't it working? Well, I, I did a cursory search here and other people had this problem as well. And basically the suggestion was go to iCloud, turn off documents and data. And I'm like, I did that. And I'm like, oh, okay, everything's working. And I really didn't use any other that I knew of feature of, uh, you know, the synchronization here. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just leave that off and, and just, you know, everything's cool. But that is, you know, I thought about it more and more. One, it annoyed me. It's like, I can't get this to work. It should work. And I want to get it to work because then I, I wanted to start dabbling with uh, the documents capability. And that uh, some of you may know, but if you don't, you can put your documents in the cloud running on the latest OS, uh, preview, text edit. A lot of the Apple apps will offer you the option to either save locally or save to iCloud. Well, that's kind of cool, but because I had it disabled, it wasn't working. So I decided to revisit the issue. And what I'm going to do here, Dave, and uh, for those listening, I'm going to paste the picture here of my old documents folder so you can look at it. And you can look at it, Dave, too. That's what well, I put and we'll in link the, uh, this. We'll link this to the, uh, the show notes because the, by and large, you know, the, the, the lion's share of the people that are hearing this, John, are not in the chat room, right? You know, it's a right. fraction of a percent. But uh, so all I'm going to say is that where this folder exists, and this is pretty consistent, at least with the latest OS, is if you go to your home folder. Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. It's library. Home, home library, mobile documents. Mobile documents. So that is where iCloud stores syncing information on your machine. Now, the bad news is if you looked at mine, now what happens is if you open it up, then all of a sudden it changes from the name of the folder and it shows a little cloud and it says iCloud. That's why I was stumbling because yep. it didn't say the <laughs> the path of it. Right. Uh, and basically all of the folders in there, if you look at them, so I had it in the list view, 
all the folders had a little circle with a line through it, which basically meant you can't access this. Now, that's unfortunate and upsetting because it's, it's my computer and my data. Why can't I access it? What it was really saying is your permissions are wrong on this. So I'm like, oh, boy. And then here's the path that I went down. So then I decided. So some of the folders in here, they typically, um, except for app specific things, for the Apple stuff, the folder name will be com tilde Apple tilde and the name of the app that's using it, whether it be Keynote, Mail, Notes, Pages, whatever. And here's what led me down the path to eventually get to, to, to fix this, Dave. Um, and then I ran an additional app. I think I ran Numbers. And Numbers, being an Apple app, will also offer the capability to let you sync with iCloud. And here's where I found uh, it eventually led me down the path to, to fix this. So once I saw the com tilde Apple tilde Numbers folder get created, it was created with the correct permissions that I didn't see the line through it saying I can't access you. It created it and gave it the right permissions. So something created on your Mac was getting the right permissions, but things synced to your Mac from elsewhere were getting the wrong permissions. Okay. Those still had the wrong ones. Yep. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me start. uh, Well, let me just look at the permissions on the one that works. And so what I had to do is dive in the terminal, get to this folder, and look at the permissions. And the thing was, the permissions on the items that I couldn't access were, I forget exactly, but they weren't, I think I had to set them. So so the numbers folder, which it created, I think it was 755 was the permissions. The other folders had something that was not 755. And basically, it was unaccessible even to me being the administrator of the machine. So my first path was to change the permissions of the folders. And that improved things a little bit. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I tried to see if you could do this in the finder because obviously you can pull this folder up in the finder. And now these folders are weird. They're not really folders. They appear as folders. But yeah, like you, I tried to highlight one and say, get info. And it didn't show the permissions. You normally are able to do this. So I I went down the same path you did. And I'm like, "Eh." so I had to go to the terminal. You did. Yeah. So then I started changing some and I basically went to the individual folders and did chmod space. Uh, 755 space and the name of the folder. And that made things a little better is that things started to work. Um, But it still wasn't quite right because I think there was still some cruft in the cloud here. So what I did, and I don't know if I recommend this, though it worked for me. (laughs) Eventually, you know, I just didn't make any progress. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just whack this thing. Let me just delete everything in that folder. Now you may recoil in horror, but I was like, you know, something's just not right. And I just got to clear some slate. So this is my best effort to do it. My hope was if I clear the slate here, the slate somewhere else is going to get reset. And I think that's by my doing this, that's what happened. Remember, this is I'm not recoiling in horror because this is exactly how we solved that problem. What about a month ago where my son's eye devices were all crashing? And it was something being synced to them from iCloud's documents and data. And that's in this folder. So we actually went into that folder on a Mac that was synced to his account, deleted what we figured out to be the one folder that had corrupt data in it. And then magically, you know, this folder doesn't just get synced to your other Macs. It gets synced to your iDevices, too. And so whatever you delete from here also doesn't get synced and gets deleted from your iOS devices. So, yeah, no, that that's the only way to fix it, uh, which is weird, but it, but it is how it is. So. Right. And then eventually what happened. So so the kind of interesting geeky part here is that 
then eventually, now I use a little uh, deal called Little Snitch, which is something that will uh, alert you to suspicious outgoing traffic. And you may ask yourself, what is the process that handles iCloud synchronization? I'm going to tell you, Dave, it's UBD. Ubiquity. What? Exactly. Yeah. So internally, I think uh, Apple refers to iCloud as ubiquity. In theory, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Uh (laughs) And once I saw an outgoing connect or a request to go for UBD to go out somewhere, I'm like, okay, somebody's realized something's changed and they're going to set things right. And and it did to a certain extent. It recreated the, the Apple folder structure. It still got some of the permissions wrong, but because... Again, I had create I had created a new fresh one with numbers. I was able to get and set the permissions on on the folders within the folders uh, to the right permissions, and and I'm happy to report. And I'm also going to uh, you know put in the show notes and of course the uh, let's see is that it? No, I'm gonna, so I'm going to paste the eventual result here. But you'll see in that there is a pretty predictable structure, and that each folder typically has um. A documents folder, I think a iWeb something or other folder. Uh, so it's it's pretty consistent. And once you understand what it should look like, then going and identifying the ones that don't have the right permissions and setting them properly, uh, you're good. And basically, I'm I'm good now. So my mail rules sync. Uh, my junk filter isn't on when it should be off and off when it should be on. But yeah, it it, it was just something that I was getting sick of, and I'm like, you know what, I, I just gotta put on the propeller beanie and just get to the bottom of this. And, and, and I was able to, so I, I was quite pleased. I was good because I'm not the only one that ran into this. Again, people just suggest turning off this feature in iCloud and I'm like that, that's not good enough. We got to fix this. for people. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, um, it's that needle in the haystack thing, right? That, you know, all it, any problem that we have with our computers, especially software wise, really is it you know it never requires rocket surgery to fix this you, you know it, it's pretty simple but the trick is knowing where to go and apple doesn't it's just not always that easy to know and it takes some digging i mean you know like the same thing with you know with luke's uh ipod we had the thing replaced i mean this was a three-week ordeal that we finally were like wait a minute it's got to be software it's got to be software to me if anything dave so my having to go to this level you know shouldn't have been necessary what i wish they had and i believe some people i've talked to have reported this if you work with apple and you're either under apple care or something i think they can initiate what i essentially did which is a reset or or putting (laughs) icloud in a state where it realizes you know what Uh, so much has happened here that i better just start start from scratch they might I wish there was to. a i wish there was yeah i wish there was a um you know my side a reset icloud sync status button or something well and there, there is for you to a degree um for your problem but but again this isn't for everything uh if you go into icloud and uh in it sorry if you go into system preferences and then click on icloud uh and then in the lower right-hand corner, you click on manage. It will right. bring up all of the things that all of the apps that are syncing via documents and data. But that's not everything. And again, you know, hearkening back to what we went through with Lucas, that stuff was this thing that was causing his trouble was not listed here. But your stuff, you know, this, the, the apps that are syncing, including mail, is here. And so... um, 
you know, some of this stuff you can delete mail. You can't, you just get to see how much space it's taking up, but there's no delete button. But if you click on pages or numbers, you can say delete all. Now, I don't know if that would actually work though in, in your case, because you didn't have permission on that Mac to access that folder. So I'm not sure if it's using the ubiquity demon, which is running as root to delete this stuff, or if it's trying to do it as your user, in which case it couldn't. Uh, but, uh, you know, so there is some of this, but I agree with you. Apple needs, there needs to be a better way to like dig in. We we need what we like, what we used to have with, uh, with, um, it was it Synchrospector or something. I mean, does that, you know, there was something that let us dig deeper. Synchrospector would let you dig into the sync services database and, and clear out things that people normally could not do. Yeah. We need something yeah. like that. But in this case, Dave, what, I mean, the first picture that you see there that I posted showing that all oh, my yeah. folders are unaccessible by me on my machine, that th- this should have never have happened. That's bizarre. Did. How did they, how did you even like, how did mobile me? And I know the answer to this, but it, you know, it's your user account that's logging into mobile me. How did mobile me write or sorry, I'm saying mobile me. How did iCloud write these I, files yeah. to your Mac? If it doesn't have, if you don't have permission to do so. And it's because it's running its root versus, you know, something else and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's crazy. You know, I suspect it may have been, it may have gotten into that state from a corrupt uh, mobile me installation. iCloud, you mean? This is not. Well, no, mobile. No, when I had a machine running mobile me. No, this is not. This is a different thing. There is no crossover here to my knowledge. I don't think this is the same documents that mobile me was syncing it. Yeah. But I don't know, but I, but you're not the only one we've heard of other people that have had permission issues in there. I listen, if you have a Mac, it could be, let's, let's dig in a little bit on this, John. When you set up a new user account on a Mac today, it gets an ID. I mean, it's always gotten an ID, but I think the ID today, and this is true since probably OS 10.4 and we're on 10.8, uh, the, the ID is 501 is the first user account that you sync up. It didn't used to be that it used to be something else. And I don't remember what it was, but I remember when it changed to 501, there were issues. If you migrated from an old Mac, you know, to, to a new one running the different OS and hadn't done like a migration on the Mac, some things you did not have permission for knowing that you have had Macs that you've upgraded uh, over time, you may have a user on one of your Macs that is not 501. And so it's possible that it's doing this syncing and assigning these permissions to a non-existent user on your machine. And uh, and that's what was causing this. Oh, well, there's also the, the group thing. I think Wheel is a, uh, a deprecated uh, group for oh, admin like. Is Wheel not in use anymore? I've seen it show up of typically on uh, yeah. systems where I've migrated things. I, I don't think yeah. it's the current preferred. I'll have to check on my air. I have to check on my MacBook air to see if I'm part of wheel. Uh, Cause that one was definitely started from scratch. Huh? And I think my iMac in the office was too. I'm going to check this. Hang on. We can go, we can go like iMac office. I know how to do this. Yes. I want to log in and here's my pat. Oh, I don't need my password. Uh, Okay. Let's touch a file and then let's look. And this file that I just created is yes, you're right. It is username, Dave group staff. 
So and that's what I'm seeing. So I think staff is the new group for admin like access, but it used to migrate it especially. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I think it handles it. All right. Yeah. That's interesting. I like it. That was getting deep. Now, the other thing is, uh, I think we'll link to this. So mobile documents is important. So not only is it. Yeah. yeah, I I was going to, I'll say it since I interrupted you, but um, you said that was deep. I, I purposefully didn't stop us as we were going deep there. Cause I think this is good stuff. And we've had quite a few listeners asking us, you know, sometimes you guys stop a little sooner than I'd want you to. So oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah that was into, well, it's not, yeah, but it's a, it's been happening for like the last six months. So we sort of letting things go a little bit, but tell us how you feel. It's good. That's good. So, um, so go ahead. Sorry, John. I forgot what I was going to say. I distracted me. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Um, Gosh, where are we going to go from here? You know, um, so I, I've always ranted um, with, with in terms of Gmail that you got to turn that all mail folder off if you're accessing it from uh, from a Mac using IMAP because it's going to pull down uh, this all mail folder is going to cause duplicate messages and all of that stuff. Well, recently I wanted to make sure that was still the case. And uh that's not really why I did this, but I turned on the all mail folder in Gmail, John. And uh, indeed it pulled down, you know, whatever, nine gigs of mail, most of which I already had in other folders on my Mac. Uh, But unlike the last time I did this four years ago or whatever, it did not make those messages show up twice in searches or anywhere else. So mail is now smart enough It's not smart enough to not download them. And it's also not smart enough to not store multiple copies. It does store multiple copies, but it is smart enough to know that, Hey, wait a minute. The message that's here in all mail, that's also here in say sent mail or archive or wherever else you've stored it is the same message. And it will only show you one of them. And in fact, it appears based on my testing that all mail is sort of the last option. So if you have it in an archive folder or in your sent mail folder or whatever, it will show that to you there as opposed to all mail. So mail has been built to be a little bit smarter with, with the way Gmail sort of hacks together. Um, uh, IMAP mail. So, so that's a good thing, but it still means that you're having an extra, you know, in my case, nine gigs of mail data stored on your computer and there's no choice in mail to, to say, don't sync that folder. The only way to do it is to tell Gmail not to. Now, the reason that I did it was because Bob Levitas heard me talk about uh, triage, uh, the, the iOS app here on, on the show, John. And he highly recommended an app called mailbox. Have you tried this out on your iPhone, John? No. Okay. So mailbox is sort of like triage on, on rails. Uh, it takes it to a whole other level. It, it's the whole concept behind mailbox is that there are many of us that treat our inbox like a to-do list. And, you know, the concept of having inbox zero when you're treating your inbox like a to-do list is sort of a difficult thing to, to get to. And they want to facilitate that. So the way it works is you use this as your mail client on iOS uh, and they just came out with an iPad version and the and but it's been out for the iPhone since like March or, or February, depending on how early you could have gotten into it. But it requires that you have all mail turned on, which is why I had to do it. Uh, and they run a server on their end to manage this. But what happens is when you see your mail, 
you go and you say either, yep, I can archive that. Yep. I can do a quick reply. Yes. I want to delete it. Or I want to, there's an option for, I want to deal with it later. And when you do this little swipe and indicate that you want to deal with it later, it actually pops up a little easy to use dialogue uh, where you tap when later, a couple of like later today, tomorrow, next week, this weekend, next month. And when you choose that, the message leaves your inbox. It actually just moved to another IMAP folder. So it never actually goes away. And then mailboxes servers monitor your email account and have this list of when you want your messages to come back. And at the right time, they put that message back into your inbox. So it will be out of your inbox and you can quickly go through and say, nope, I don't want to deal with that. I want to archive that. I want to deal with that tomorrow. I want to deal with that one next week. And then boom, your inbox is empty. And then the next morning when you get up or whatever time you set, and you can set what time tomorrow means and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, all that stuff that you said, I want to deal with tomorrow. It's right there. It's listed, you know, back in your inbox. So it's kind of a cool way to do it. I'm not convinced that it's the right way for me. I've only been using it for a couple of days, um, but uh, but it there I see some hope here because I do tend to manage my inbox like a to do list uh, most of the time. So and I'm 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 trying to warm to the concept. So uh, I figured I'd throw that out there. It's cool. I think it was what did I pay for mailbox? Did I even pay anything? It might have been ninety nine cents. I forget. I'm gonna look, but um, but it's interesting. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting concept and, and it's cool to see people doing stuff. You know, it's one of those things. I'm I, I, the, the idea of using a, have letting a service access my mailbox. It's free. So there you go. You didn't even have to pay for it. I didn't pay anything for it. Uh, the idea of letting a service access my mailbox all the time is kind of scary to be honest, because if their servers go haywire, they could delete all my mail. That's kind of bad, but, uh, but they haven't yet in three days. So I, I guess that's good. So yeah, check it out. It's called mailbox for iOS and uh, it is uh, at mailboxapp.com. So there you go. I highly recommend you check it out, John. Well, maybe not. Maybe it, it, may, it may not be your thing. I'm right with mail. Yeah. Rick in the mail. All right. Uh, Rahul. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do some questions. I think that's correct. Rahul. Yeah. I, I know a Rahul once. So I think the, that's the right uh, pronunciation there. All right. I'm writing this in order to ask you to help me resolve an issue. All right. I got to condense some of this here. All right. So he's been having an issue for four to five months uh, running on Mac OS 10 Mountain Lion 10.8.3. And there's a glitch with Spotlight whenever I'm using it. What happens is when I'm using Spotlight in order to search a file or look up some stuff, occasionally there is this re-indexing thing going on that kicks in during the process. Uh, the progress bar pops up and uh, appears for a few seconds, though it stops. And um, and let's see. Now he's saying Spotlight's not actually taking place. I think it may be, but but it doesn't fill in. All right. So so I think the gist of his issue is that it seems to be a graphic hiccup here. Okay, that's not good. Uh, no, he says he's tried a lot of things here. Actually, he's tried quite a bit. So um, he's tried a new account. Still happens. Uh, he's tried to uh, put put the volume in the privacy tab and remove it again, which should re-index it, though it may not. 
then he tried to remove Spotlight V6 in the system. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd do that. <laughs> don't know if you do what? Uh, he said he tried to remove Spotlight V6 uh, located in the system library directory and then reinstalling it. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend actually digging into the OS and deleting things. If anything, I'd, I'd do a combo update. If I if I suspect parts of the OS are uh, damaged, I, I think I'd run a combo update. I don't know if I'd actually dig into the OS and yank things out. but And try to change ACLs. Um, all right, and he's looked in the console and doesn't... And he sees some like, deny, mock, lookup, or sandbox entries. Yeah, I've, I've seen those as well. I don't know about you, Dave, but... Yes. All right. So, so, so I don't know. I mean, the core issue sounds like he's seeing some graphic. I don't know. I'm going to take a leap here and say that maybe he wants to uh, get into the terminal here, though. It sounds like he took a stab at it, doing the privacy, uh, putting it into the privacy and then out again, which should rebuild it. But I, I would propose that he may want to do it uh, from the terminal, which will definitely make it happen here. Um, I'm wondering if the, the library is somehow damaged and that's causing the graphical uh, oddness that he's seeing. I wish we had a movie or something of it because it sounds like he was trying to describe that it was some some sort of again visual uh, oddness here that that uh that he didn't like. But uh, we we don't have a movie or a picture of it. So so I don't know. I would say uh, now if you do want to reset your uh, your spotlight, what you can do is you go in the terminal and then you want to type sudo s u d o space m d u t i l that is the name of the spotlight process. Space dash capital E space space slash. And that says, "All right, rebuild the spotlight index." Yeah, that's the best I got. I mean, and again, the secondary one that I thought of while he was talking about this is no. Again, I, I I'd be very nervous of of actually removing <laughs> anything in the OS uh, and and. And reinstalling it, that, that sounds kind of dangerous. If anything, I'd run a combo update. And typically, if you just Google, you know, Mac OS 10, 10.8.3 combo update or, or whatever, you will come up with a link on the Apple page. They, uh, they still offer standalone uh, update installers. Uh, definitely. You, you, still, you don't have to go through a software update, though. That's certainly another way to do it. But you can definitely download a standalone update, and it will reinstall... Uh, I guess as combo kind of implies, but it'll reinstall all, all the pieces that are in that update or overwrite things. So and we've had people report success with that. Somehow your OS install gets damaged or whatever and, and uh, doing a combo update uh, brings things back to a known state. Yeah, I, I, um, I ran into an issue earlier this year, this week where on one of my machines, MDS, which is the process that builds your spotlight index was using gobs and gobs of RAM. I mean, it was using, you know, maybe a gigabyte of physical RAM and then four gigs or five gigs of swap space. And it just wasn't good. Uh, and obviously the thing was sort of running out of control. So I found this, this blog post uh, that we will link to uh, at neilturner.me.uk that, uh, that headed me down the path of fixing this by also uh, deleting uh, and forcing my spotlight index to rebuild and and that seems to have fixed it thus far. We'll we'll see if it, it continues. I, I think it 
I think the problem had existed for a while. And then actually, from what I was saying before, where I downloaded all this new mail, that, of course, gets run through Spotlight. And uh, and it sort of exacerbated, exacerbated the problem. So uh, so I deleted the Spotlight Index and he, too, recommended a, a, a command to, to delete it. But uh, but the, the the if you're not comfortable with the terminal, Onyx will also delete uh, from from, you know, you let you just delete the spotlight interface without having to type anything in the terminal without terminal, without having to miss anything. So definitely uh, Onyx is available for free. So if you're if you don't like the terminal, you can do that. I did it from the terminal because, you know, I, I live there all the time. But uh, but it's not everybody's favorite place. So. Um, John, I am going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to veer off the path again because mm. our, well, no, our, our conversation about, or my mention of mailbox brought up a couple of questions in the chat room that I'm sure we're going to hear about from other listeners too. So I figure we'll just address it now. And it's, it is the beauty of having our chat room sort of as the live sounding board, but the conversation in the chat room quickly turned to. Uh, someone asking me, whoa, actually several people asking, wait a minute, you don't file your mail in individual boxes by subject or person or whatever. Uh, do you just archive it into one folder? And yes, absolutely. I archive it into just one folder. I used to have and I still do in my archive. I used to use actively use twelve hundred different mailboxes in a hierarchy. Back in the day when we started with Eudora and search was really slow and unpowerful, uh, it was the only way to do it with the with the hope of ever finding something again. I kind of had to file it and then I could knew where to look to find it. Uh, but years ago and it was tough. I mean, like, John, it was really tough. You know how like OCD I am, CDO I am because it's alphabetical order is better um, and, and, and all of that. But. I am so glad I did it because now I take every message that I'm finished with and I archive it into one folder and then I use search either in mail or on in mail on my iOS device. It works great there too. Uh, it can search on the server, even if it's not downloaded or I can do it. I can go to Gmail or, you know, or G- Google apps and download and search rather from there. And it's so much better um, because search works now. So I abandoned my, uh, my, my, my large folder structure and, and I'm all the better for it because I use mail act on and I have one keystroke to just file my mail. And actually you can do that in mail now without even uh, you can just file to the archive box without any third party stuff. There is a keystroke that you can set for that too. So what do you do, John? Do you still use a manual file system or do you file in one place in search? For my mail? Yeah. I typically... So I have a folder structure right. set up and I set up my rules based on that. Okay. That's really how I sort my mail. So, you know, anything that's, uh, you know, sent to, I mean, it depends on the level of granularity. So, you know, I'll have like different, you know, for example, different bills. I'll put those in specific folders. So it's a, if it's from the cable company, I put it here. If it's from, you know, this company, I'll put it in this folder. Um, so that's really how I organize it. Now, what about, okay, so, so that's, I, and I do some of that too. I have some rules that take things like our geek app feedback to go into one place and, and some other things to go in, in their own place. Yeah. There's only maybe, I only maybe have eight or 10 of those. How many are you, is that what you're using or do you have a lot more than that? No, well for, for Mac observer, I have a single Mac observer mail folder. Sure. All my, 
TMO mail from day one is in there. I haven't yet gotten to the point of finding a need to archive it. Okay. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. No, no. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but then I have, uh, you know, local folders, which I probably should make group folders so I can search them remotely. But, right. you know, I'll have a, I have a financial one, which is, you know, bills and, and other things, uh, personal stuff, uh, uh, you know, different, uh, yeah, I got my own organization here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For folders. Yeah. And that's how I store it. So, so I, so, so I actually split it and actually I should rethink this. So I split it between folders that are local on the map Mac, which is bad, especially if I'm accessing from the iPhone, right? Cause then I can't get to them and I really should migrate. And I, I think I got into the process, but then you know, got distracted, but yeah. I really should have all my folders and all my rules acting on things that are server based so I can access them remotely. Yeah. Like for example, um, anything that has to do with any trade show, whether it be Macworld or, or some local happening here, I actually put those on iCloud. So anything having to do with that, I run a rule, not a Google mail rule, though probably I should do that. Uh, that's the other thing. I should probably put all my rules in one place right now. I have my rules. Some are run by mail app and some are run by, um, by Gmail. Yep. Yep. Now, like, yeah. what do you do if you like if you get a message from me, right, in your inbox, and it's just well, I mean, <laughs> let's pretend it's somebody who you don't just delete as soon as you see it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Throw, I don't transfer to trash. No, I, I, I know, but 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 if you <laughs> maybe you'll build one after this. Uh, but no, if you, uh, it, it, you know, you get a message from a friend or whatever. And when you're finished mm-hmm. with that message, do you archive it into somewhere or do you just delete it or what do you do? Um, typically, if it's if it's like, yeah, so if it's like from you and it's not based on, you know, it's not Mac stuff, but it's right. like personal stuff, yeah. then I have a personal folder. Okay, so, so you still there. That's you still have a manual uh, organizational structure. Okay, so you're not doing the yeah. one archive folder kind of thing. Right. And then a lot of times if it has to do with an event, fortunately, mail app has some, you know, pretty good uh, data detectors, I think is what they call them. It's like the other day, like there are two media events that now with my extra spare time I can go to in June. Uh, one is the uh, CEA thing and I think is another smaller event here. But yeah. fortunately, mail app is smart enough. So what happens if I get those mails? So one, I'll create a folder because then there's going to be an onslaught of mail from from these guys referring the show. I'll create a rule that tries to look for the show name and then transfer it to a specific mail folder so I can review it later. But then also when I get the initial invite uh, for an event, I will, you know, the data detector is smart enough to pull that out and and put it. Usually I may have to change some of it, put it on my calendar as a, uh, you know, with, with a notification. Yep. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, though I really should you know, but it's it's good you brought this up because I really should consolidate because having the rules in two different places is I, I don't think the the right way to do it. Yeah, I well, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, well, until I until I could fix my mail rules and and it wouldn't save them. Yeah, so, but I really should rethink. Can I get all my rules um, at least for certain email addresses on Gmail and not split them between Gmail and Mail.app? Right. Yeah, that's the trick is Gmail's rules are not quite as robust as as mail.app's rules can be. Somebody in the chat room again asked uh, to either of us use the VIP function that Apple added in Mountain Lion. And what that does is it allows you to set a group of contacts as VIPs and then you can treat their mail, especially on iOS, but also on your Mac uh, 
you can treat their mail differently. You can get notifications for just VIPs emailing you as opposed to everyone. And you can just see your VIP emails and sort of ignore everyone. And this is something I've been doing manually for years, especially when I travel. I sort of created a, a, a group. Not not unlike this. I called it priority senders. But, you know, there you go. VIP. And uh, and it would do the same thing. So, yeah, as soon as Apple added the VIP thing, I immediately moved to that because now getting notifications, I, I can't get notifications for every email that comes in for me. It would be crazy. But it is nice to get notifications for some of you. And you're on that list, John. And, you know, my family's on that list. And, you know, the guys that work directly with me and all that stuff are on that list. And that way. I'm sure to get those messages and I can filter them out easily. So that, yeah, that was a welcome feature for me. So that's VIP. John, it's, um, do you use VIP? No. Okay. It's handy when you're traveling. I will point that out. Um, but it's, we're, we're an hour and 12 minutes into this. There, there are a couple of things, uh, that I want to do though quickly before we wrap up, um, and I think we're going to save Irving for next time because I really do want to do that. But, oh, uh, but yeah, we've spent, you know, we've spent too much time. We, we, we just don't have time today, but that's a beautiful thing. We've, we've done good geeking today. But, uh, but we have a couple of quick things, uh, a couple of quick tips or one quick tip and, and maybe just one follow up. Um, one thing, since we've been talking so much about mail, Michael had a great tip. He said uh, on Gmail, you can do these searches. Uh, but if you're not doing them for filters, there's no other way to save them, even if it's a search you repeat over and over again. But there is a way to save searches for Gmail. Google has this thing called Google Labs uh, that in Gmail allows you to add features. And sometimes those features become a native part of uh, of of Gmail, like it did with the IMAP, uh, selecting the IMAP folders and whether they would appear. That used to be a Google Labs thing. It, it's just now built in. Um, there is one called quick links and it's there in Google labs and, uh, and you can find it in your Gmail. You just go into settings and, and go to labs and you turn it on and then suddenly you have it. And quick links allows you to create quick links for a lot of things. And it's really focused on doing it for saved searches. So that's, uh, that's that handy stuff. I like it. It's good. Um, and then John, I think, uh, do you have anything on, on, uh, Quick links for Gmail? No. Okay. Do you think Wes? Do you think Wesson? Do you think that's a good follow up? Because I think that, we weren't that, quite that clear. Was the, that was the next one good. I was going to do. Yep. We, my friend, we are, uh, we are thinking alike. Yep. Uh, we had we had talked about using mail reminders, uh, or, and or rather creating automatic reminders by dragging uh, a mail message into the reminders app, and it works. But we had a lot of you ask. Wait a minute. How do you do this again? How do I drag the message? Where's the headers? What are you talking about? Well, I think uh, that's what we said is drag the header. And I don't think that was the best way to describe what to do, because actually I tried to reproduce it, Dave. So number one, I didn't realize you could take this direct step. I had suggested like of a two phase right. kind of yeah, not optimum way of doing it. I didn't realize it was so easy to just drag an email. But I guess the important part is what exactly do you drag? What you do is it's weird. Uh, in mail, when you're looking at the content of the email, you have the body of the email sort of at the bottom of the window. And then at the top, you have who it's from, who it's to, uh, what the subject is. And you can control what appears there uh, and the time. If you put your mouse to the right of someone of the of the sender or 
who it was sent to or the subject, your mouse will turn from a uh, click cursor briefly to a text selection cursor. And if you keep going right, it will turn into a hand. And when it is in hand mode, that's where you can grab and drag the mail message to reminders. Not the most intuitive thing in the world. Uh, and certainly we did not explain it well in the last show, but there it is. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I have, I have yet to use reminders. I know. I okay, know. Well, that's okay. I'll play with it. Yeah, it's, it's all right. And, uh, and maybe while we're on mail, we should just share this, uh, share this last tip, which I'm going to try my, my darndest to get into the show very, very quickly here because, uh, because there's an even better way. And I believe Ken is going to wrap round things out hey John for us. And Dave, it's Ken from Kailua, Hawaii. I was listening to show 449 um, and um, someone asked a question about uh, a simplified workflow, I'll call it, to get mail into reminders. Uh, and I'm going to uh, uh, promote a, a program which I really love because it's tremendously useful. It's a mail extension and it's tremendously useful for filing called MailHub. But the advantage in this context is it also puts a, a, a widget on your toolbar uh, called Remind, uh, which gives you a fairly rich interface for uh, setting a reminder uh, and describing what it is you want to do um, with the email. Um, and it'll pop up and tell you about it uh, at whatever time you specified. Um, so uh, it's not free, obviously. It's called MailHub, and I don't remember the publisher. Uh, but uh, I think uh, it would be another useful solution to the problem. Okay, uh, that's it for now. Thanks again for uh, all your responses to my questions and uh, the great job you guys do. Well, thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. And that's from DervishSoftware.com, and it is $19 U.S. Dollars for, uh, for MailHub from, from them. So, and there's the band, Mr. Braun, indicating the end of, uh, or the beginning of the end. Wait, they, the band indicates the beginning of the end? That can't be good. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com oh. is the place where you're going to send all your questions, comments, tips, cool stuff found. That's right. I'm going to say it one more time. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And because all good things come in threes, I will say feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You can also call us at 206-666-GEEK and leave us a voicemail. John, Geek is? 43-35. Another way to reach us. Uh, and you can get some notifications. You will find nowhere else. Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. You'll see uh, when we schedule the uh, live chat you, you'll get a heads up on that uh, I get an email asking if I'd like to join and I almost always do <laughs> I, I appreciate that John it's nice uh, not to do I this post, long. Uh, I post a uh, notification when I've uh, published the final version of the show notes uh, and I think that's pretty much the Facebooks uh, but we also have the uh, the Twitters Dave Twitter at MacGeekGab to follow the show uh, John F. Braun to follow him Pilot Pete to follow Pete who uh, who still hasn't shown up in a while but we're hoping that he'll come back someday soon uh, I'm of course at Dave Hamilton and you can follow the headlines from Mac Observer at Mac Observer 
And, uh, and of course, uh, in addition to Facebook, you can find us on Google Plus, where we also post the events. And uh, using Deliver It, as I mentioned before, the when the show is posted, so shortly here, uh, you will see posts automatically generated for Facebook and Google Plus, as well as the Twitter post, which we do manually. Uh, those will all uh, those will all be up there too. So pick your favorite or favorites, and up it'll go. And I think someday we got to check out Google Hangouts, John. It might be a really cool way to do this show because I think it, it generates some auto transcripts and stuff. Oh, you moan every time I mention some, There's some video. new technology. I don't like video. What are you talking about? I love new technology. <laughs> I know you but, do. <laughs> but I don't like video. I mean, well, no, we've done, like at Macworld, uh, I believe uh, uh, Allison yeah. uh, likes to do, uh, 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 for her Nocilla cast uh, crew, or basically, when we have Allison's party, she like we we like to get one or two people with laptops with cameras, and we're running around doing a Google Hangout. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. That's pretty neat. But until then, you can find us, uh, and perhaps after the fact, after then too, macgeekup.com slash stream. In fact, that will always point you to where we are live streaming the show, however we are doing it. And uh, and you can join in the the, uh, the chat with uh, not only us, but the rest of the Mac Geek Up crew there as well. MacGeekUp.com slash stream. Anything else, John, before we push this one through to its final stages of completion? Um... All right. about done. Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast gets our thanks and your thanks uh, for converting this show to AAC for us and for you. Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com provides all the bandwidth. The podcast marketplace includes VB Edit from Barebones Software, Squarespace.com slash MGG, Text Expander and PDF Pen from Smile, Gazelle, of course, to sell all your used Mac and iOS devices. CrashPlan, of course. CrashPlan.com slash MGG always has a deal for you. I think. Whatever you do, though, enjoy the week. We will be back next week. But whatever you do, don't get caught. Made up.